Hello, and welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. How do we know the best choices to make? And when we look back over our lives, how do we know the choices that have most influenced us from who we have been to who we are today? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the inside track. I'm Debbie Hazelton. Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. And this month, we have someone that I think is a real treat. I did not know who she was when she wrote me and sent me her book so kindly. And I wonder if you already know who she is when you hear her name. I'm going to let you be surprised. So this person currently does a lot of intuitive work, a lot of work with healing, and um, she makes jewelry and essential oil blends. And I'm talking about Anne Bliss. So thank you so much for being here. Let's have a listen to the time that Anne and I got to spend last week. First of all, I want to say I love your name. I just think it fits what you're doing. Your last name, Bliss, is just wonderful for this work. And I had no idea who you were or that I knew you at all when you kindly sent me your book. Maybe some other people do know who you are. Maybe you can just start by uh, letting us know some defining moments that come to mind about who you were and how you got to who you are now. Well, there actually are several defining moments. And I'd say the first one was maybe age 14 when... Well, let me just back up a second. I, I was mm-hmm. too much baby, and there was too much oxygen in the incubator. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have partial vision. Um, I guess it wasn't too good, but I could see faces and colors and different things. I could read with heavily magnified lenses, and it wasn't fuzzy. I just couldn't see very far. So at age 14, I overheard a phone conversation that my mother was having, And in it, she said that I was blind. And that was really earth-shattering for me because I never considered myself to be blind. Mm -hmm. I knew I had vision problem. But just hearing those words, you know, kind of put a sick feeling, I guess, in my stomach. And and I really think that that was a defining moment, not only for me, but for my parents also. And... What followed after that was at age 16, I lost the sight in my left eye. And at age 19, in my first semester of college, I lost the sight in my right eye. Mm. And uh, the major difficulty with that was that my parents reacted very poorly to it. I mean, I guess I reacted a little bit, but... They were very, very, very reactive, very depressed, very, very saddened. Um, my father drank, so of course he drank more, that kind of thing. Uh, so for me, 
I finished the semester that I had started, <clears throat> of course, finding different ways to do things, uh, mostly using those old reel-to-reel tape recorders. <laughs> I don't even think there were cassettes at that time, or if they were, I don't recall, but reel-to-reel tape recorders were definitely involved mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I came home from college. I, I worked that summer in in a factory, uh, and I was lucky to have the job. And I had wow. Everything else. What did you do in the factory? I actually assembled the glides that go on the bottom of tables and chairs. So there was a fixture at my station, and I had to put a rubber piece and a cap in the rubber piece and a spring and a screw in the spring and hold it all together and clamp it. So oh, okay. pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I'm a really good worker. I mean, a lot of blind people do things really well with their hands. So I was, mm-hmm. really, you know, when I left in the beginning of September to go back to college, the employer did not want me to leave. But you know, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> so when I went back to college, I stayed. I guess maybe one week. I totally panicked. Totally panicked. And it was really a delayed reaction to losing my vision. So at that point, I came home because I just couldn't do anything else. I mean, I was all set up. I had all my books. I, I was really popular in school. You know, I had mm. a roommate. I, was, I had been elected to uh, for an office in some women's organization or something. And, I mean, I had everything I needed. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't be. Yeah. So I came home. I was really mm. depressed. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, physically depressed. And this was in September, but I guess I got myself out of it because I believe the following, probably January or February, I started a rehab at a rehab center. And um, I guess I had rehab for, I don't know, maybe six months. I don't know. It didn't take very long. And then I actually wound up working there as an instructor's aide for a couple years, and then, you know, my life progressed from there. Um, But originally, I had planned on being a Spanish teacher, and when all this occurred, I just kind of dropped that idea. So I was kind of at wit's end as to what to do. So I guess it was sort of a good thing that I was hired by the rehab agency, because after that, I got married, I had kids. Things in my life changed. Um a lot of not-so-good things until 1984, I started a mail-order catalog company, and the name of it was Ann Morris Enterprises. Yes, I still have some of the things I bought from you back then. (laughs) That's who I was then. (laughs) Yeah, sure. In a previous incarnation in this life, I understand. (laughs) Previous incarnation, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I think back, I think, oh, my God, I don't know how I ever worked that hard. I don't know how I ever did that. Um, you know, not only the conventions, but the mm-hmm. whole business aspect. Because to tell oh. the truth, I did not do it in the prescribed start a business way. Um, I did it because there was so much sadness in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. that it was an outlet for me. And if I hadn't started that business, I probably would have done done something severe maybe to end my life. I mean, that's how bad it was. Oh, man, yeah. So um, 
You know, so when well, I started it, I didn't know anything. And, and yet, you did that business with such uh, integrity and meeting so many. I mean, I remember your taped catalogs were were read by someone who just read them so well. Everything was, it was just great. You did a super job. I think a lot of people were sad when you left. It just seemed like a like a blink of an eye. You were here and gone, and yet you were here for quite a while. Yes, 18 years. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> sure was. We were at three places at that time and kept, you know, finding, like, larger larger places to hold the business. And, and so, you know, we moved upstate New York into this real rural area and bought a house and a building on the same piece of property. And, um, you know, that was good and bad. But the, And you were known for finding things that we needed that no one else really was finding. I mean, it just seemed like you, that was your niche. That was exactly my niche because I really mm-hmm. didn't compete with the other companies that who were selling almost everything they had to rehab. I mean, of course, yeah, to rehab, but not as much as the other agencies. So, yeah, you're right. You get to the point when you're doing something where you can't make decisions anymore. You don't want to talk to people. You, when you know you're just oh. at it, I, I actually had an office manager because I really wanted to step back. Mm-hmm. That was that worked pretty well. But probably the drop-dead moment for me was when I had to um, terminate another employee, and I really didn't care to do that. So I actually called a business broker because I knew nothing about selling a business, and um, so I had the business broker come over, and you know they gave me a price and discussed it, and he wanted me to sign his papers right then and there, um, and I said, well, I said there's one company I want to ask if they would be interested in purchasing it. I said, and if they're not, I will sign your papers, and you know they wanted me to sign them anyway, but I refused. And Good for you. I did ask um, Independent Living Aids, and they were personal friends of ours. I mean, we did all kinds of social things together and, you know, had a really nice relationship. But, you know, regardless of that, uh, on a business level, they said, yes, they they were interested. And they didn't even really negotiate the price very much. Um, and so this was October in 2003, I think. And in January 2004, boom, it was gone. We just packed everything up, and they came with their truck and bought it. (laughs) Oh, was there a huge sigh of relief? I didn't regret it for one second. (laughs) That's how you know you are ready. Yeah. (laughs) The really really interesting thing, and I don't know why this is, um, you know, I don't (laughs) I I don't do dream interpretation at all. It's just not one of my expertise. But I so often have dreams of starting it again on a smaller scale. I have dreams of manufacturing products and of employees. And and employees, that was the biggest pain in the butt in the whole thing, really, employees. I mean, you see them, but people are hard. Unfortunately, I did get burned. You know what? Every day yeah. gets burned. Selling to the to the blindness. You know, at conventions, there was always theft. And yeah, that's sad. It is. But unfortunately, it's just the commentary on our society. So in 2004, when I um, discontinued the business, 
I wasn't planning on doing anything. I really had no knowledge of what the future would bring. Um, as a friend of mine says, when you can't make decisions, etc., you are ripe for change. And that mm-hmm. was very, very true. Yeah. You know, so part two was coming in. <laughs> wow. And did you have any idea what it was? Um, no, not really. Not, But we did, my husband and I were sort of getting into the healing art. And we did decide to attend a Sufi school, which classes hmm. in California. And it was set up to go four times a year, one week each time. And the first one that we um, took was in the end of 2004. I think it was in October. And it was it was great. It was very difficult, but it was great. And what it did for me was it gave me my really excellent foundation with the divine. Which I mean, I was I was raised a Catholic, so I obviously had a foundation. But this was much, much, much deeper, hmm. and it introduced some um, methods of healing. You know, there was a lot of visual things attached to it, so I did have to find a lot of different ways to do things. And of course, you know, when when you're shown, well, you know, you need to do it this way or that way. Um, oh, it's difficult, but you know, it can be hard. And now that's a lot of. Dancing, isn't it? No, that's only one area in okay. Sufism. Okay. Sufi actually means heart-based. Hmm. Really, what I really what I received was my heart-based connection with the divine. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, but the whole and I, I went for let me see one two three two. I guess I went for two sessions. I can't remember if I did number three or not. I don't think so because I already knew after number one that I had my foundation and that the rituals in it were bugging me. Okay, I am not a ritualistic person, and they were introducing ritual after ritual, um, and you know it was just too rigid for me. Yeah. So after two sessions, I kind of. Stopped. My husband went for another year, and then he stopped because he was having the same issues. But oh. it really, 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 really gave me my foundation. But here's the other thing it gave me. The head of the school, Dr. Ibrahim Jaffe, who was a wonderful guy, and he had formerly been um, a doctor, a medical doctor, which, of course, he still was, You know, but he became the head of the Sufi school. I asked him, I said, do you think there's any way that I can ever regain any of my vision? And so he sort of looked into my eyes and he says, yeah, I think so. And that was probably the first hope Mm -hmm. I had in a really long time. Well, actually, there was one other time, which was probably around 86, 87 months you know, approximately that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd gone to an ophthalmologist, which I went to once in a while, even though there wasn't anything that they could do. And he said, well, yeah, why don't we, you know, why don't we remove one of your cataracts and let's see if there's any vision behind it. And I said, okay, great. And, you know, like I had dreams and seeing and everything else. 
Mm. And, you know, your subconscious does interesting things. Mm -hmm. So the the morning that I was supposed to go for the pre-op exam, he called me and he said, well, we're not doing it. He said, because I can't get another doctor in the hospital to agree that there might be something there, so we can't do it. And I was devastated. I mean, I thought that was the most unprofessional thing for anybody to do. It felt like he just pulled the rug out from under me. It was just, that's horrible. Yeah, it's too bad he didn't check before he ever told you that he could. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so hope vanished, okay, until Dr. Jaffe gave me this, you know, opinion. But I didn't really, you know, didn't really do anything about it or think anything about it. I really didn't know what to do. So after my second week at Sufi school, um, one of my classmates who I kind of had befriended called me and said, you know, I go to this guy in, in Rochester and he works in a method called the body talk system. Mm-hmm. I really think you should see him. And she kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me until I finally said, okay. So what the body talk system does, it 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 energetically connects parts of your body that need to be connected. So it reprograms things in your body to work efficiently. And you use kinesiology, which is also known as muscle testing, which is asking the universe for yes and no answers um, for answers. So I got on the phone with this guy, and he was really nice, and we talked for a while. And I said, well, my first question, my first concern is, does the universe think that I can regain any vision? So he muscle tested it and used it. You know, I was, this was on the phone. I wasn't with him in person. Mm-hmm. So you can, he was a proxy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the answer was yes. Um, and this was probably October 19, um, well, no, 2005. <clears throat> so I said, all right, so what do we do? And we basically started by changing my subconscious belief system by I had to say affirmations, positive affirmations about seeing mm-hmm. maybe like an hour a day. Um, and by changing your belief system, basically what it does is it changes your DNA, which this is all new thinking. Sure. And in about, I guess, maybe seven or eight months, my left eye, which had been my poorest vision eye, mm-hmm. started to change. And it had, that eye had been really kind of flattened, kind of sunken in, had big cataract on it. Well, this eye became round. It became bulbous mm-hmm. um, in, in about eight months. I mean, and since then, it's become um, sparkly. You can see the blue again. Mm. Cataract is really not very apparent. So it has been, you know, changing through the years. And my right eye <clears throat> has also been changing, but not as dramatically. Uh, it's more <clears throat> open than it was. Mm-hmm. It's more, there's more color in it than it was. <clears throat> so because I was so absolutely obsessed with this whole process, and I have to use the word obsessed because really that's what it was, mm-hmm. whatever God showed me to do, I did it. 
And this included, you know, dabbling in a lot of different healing modalities, doing a lot of very interesting things, you know, to myself, whatever. Um, you know, a lot of it was downright weird, I guess you could say. But all very, very interesting, very guided. And, you know, my life kind of progressed from there. And my husband was totally on board with this because we got guided to move from our New York property to the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, he went with it. And we just, we just knew that we had to do everything that God was showing us. So he really was not, I mean, you both came into this together, but this is not where either of you were when you met. No. And, and wow. like a lot of other people who have had maybe, uh, who maybe were psychic from birth or had a lot of intuition, whatever, nada. I knew nothing. No. He knew nothing. He came from an engineering background. And as I, you know, attended different workshops and everything, he kind of, you know, kind of came along. So he kind of got into it almost by osmosis, you know, kind of. That is interesting. Yeah. Where did and so where did you meet? We actually met at Parents Without Partners. Mm. We we met at a beach party um, in mm. New York. Yeah. Um, Was he involved in your in your prior business? Um. Yes, actually, I was with him when I first began the business. Uh huh. And you know that was pretty interesting too, because as I said, I didn't know anything about starting a business. He he actually owned a business. He owned an automation business. So he he made um, controls for automation processes, like for example, he would automate a bakery, that kind of thing. Oh wow! So he was pretty much a one man operation. Mm-hmm. And I actually started by working for him, and I did uh, database management. <coughs> this was back in '84. Okay, I mm-hmm. had, <laughs> he bought me a TRS-80. Okay, which was a Radio Shack computer. Okay? <laughs> and you know, so this was really primitive. And I remember yeah. I had a dat- database. I can't remember the name of it now. But, like, I would pay people to read me all the information that he wanted in this database. And it was, like, tons of stuff about control things, like, you know, switches and um, programmable logic controllers and all these things. I mean, about. So I would input all this stuff, and, he, and I would have to make cold calls for him, which meant, you know, calling companies to see if they wanted to purchase any of the stuff that I knew nothing about, okay? But, but you know, I guess I knew enough to do this, and I did it. But every couple weeks, this database would crash. Oh, and no. I would have to re-input everything. Oh. <laughs> it was horrible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I, so when I thought about, okay, I kind of would like to start a business, um, and I sort of had a little bit of an inkling of what I might want to do. So I went to the New York State Department of Rehab and told them that I wanted to start a business, but that I needed, you know, a real computer. <laughs> I needed some equipment. And they said, no, I don't think so. New York State doesn't really support small business. Business. Oh, oh my gosh. So I said, fine. But I guess they changed their tune or somehow I got a computer from them. And, and I, you know, oh. I them. 
And I got some programs, you know, like a word processor or a spreadsheet database, all this stuff. Well, I made a big mistake in that I tried to learn everything at once. Oh, man. That is not the way to do it. (laughs) 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 A better way to do it would be to learn one program at a time. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously I learned, and I'm a really good computer user. I, Through the ages, I have constantly fixed my programs. Um, Someone had written a database program for me that I used with my business which was using DOS at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that program, as as good as it was, crashed a lot, too, and I had to constantly fix it. Wow. <laughs> you know, a bunch of information. <clears throat> um, and actually, one of the reasons why I really wanted to stop Morris Enterprises was because of computers. And at that time, Windows was in, but it wasn't as popular as it is now, mm-hmm. about the transition period, and I knew that I really needed Windows because I needed to take the business and the computer to to a higher level where everything mm-hmm. was connected, and none of the programs at that time were speech-friendly, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, QuickBooks is really not even <clears throat> that much, but there was no, I could not find like a database program to do the invoicing, the accounting, and everything mm-hmm. all in one, the shipping, connect everything, that that was speech-friendly. And I guess I sort of had a control issue in that I did not want to give, all, you know, give up all the control that I had to employees. I really wanted to have a hand in everything. Mm-hmm. So we, we came up with this real convoluted way to do it. I mean, it was... It was crazy, really. I mean, we had five computers, and they operated using DOS, and every night we'd back up everything. And, you know, so if you were shipping something and you wanted to look up an order, you had to go to another system to do that. It was just, it was crazy. And that, you know, so that was another reason. Just, it was hard. What's interesting, though, is that it, it sounds like, you started working a lot at knowing how things are connected and finding ways to, you know, make them work and and also finding ways to meet needs of people and and then moved into this other whole thing of energetic connections and and healing and you know when you talk about body talk I studied the body talk system and I know you know that it it deals a lot with links and linking things together. So it's just, it sounds to me like, you know, you brought this whole thing of connectivity to another level. Interesting. I never thought of it like that. And the other thing was that when I was a kid, I wanted to be a nurse or a doctor. I mean, I played nurse and doctor all the time. And, of course, having a visual impairment, I knew that that was pretty much impossible. But, you know, this is like an instance of manifestation because, you know, I sort of had an aha moment a few years ago when I realized that the healing that I'm doing and the way that I'm doing it, it's like being a doctor. And, mm-hmm. it's on, you know, but it's on a different realm. Yeah. And it's just amazing when I think of it like that. Mm-hmm. 
the the healing with other people yeah yeah well it's it is it's very powerful and and another interesting aspect of what what I'm doing and actually my husband is doing it too because he has progressed incredibly i mean he is he is really a seer is that we do something that's called psychic surgery and what that yes. is we ask you know this our spirit guides to help us change things in people so that mm-hmm. we can actually see um, for example, we can actually see a broken bone mm-hmm. actually energetically mended. We can mm-hmm. actually energetically ask for a body part from your higher self, maybe in a different incarnation or from someone else, and mm-hmm. put it, you know, energetically put it in a person to foster healing. I mean, and that is, you know... Surgery. Yeah. Well, you and you write about this in your book, your excellent book, Infinite Hope. You write about having undergone psychic surgery, and you said that it was really intense and fairly traumatic. For me, it was. For most people, I would say they don't even feel anything. Mm hmm. But I feel everything, which is unfortunate, but it is the way it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for most people, psychic surgery, they, don't, they, don't, they just feel the results. They don't feel any, you know, any work being done. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. think that I was meant to notice it, you know, for, for different reasons. Did you need to do a lot of training to build the skills to do this? Well, actually, yes and no. As I said, I did dabble in a lot of modalities, so I did, you know, learn. I learned a little bit about a lot of things. I did, however, become a Reiki master, mm-hmm. and I did take, you know, workshops and classes. But my intuit, because I was so dedicated to this process, my intuition grew in leaps and bounds, mm-hmm. and I did become psychic also. So all of that, all those insights means that I actually get messages from the divine all the time on how to do things without actually having to have to study it. And I thank God all the time for this. Mm-hmm. I can, for example, go over to my oils rack, my essential oils rack, and I probably have maybe 60 or 70 bottles. Mm-hmm. And my hand will go exactly to the ones that I need to make uh, a quote-unquote remedy for someone or a solution for someone. Without my having to have studied all the properties of all the oil. Mm-hmm. And do you, <laughs> I love it. Do you have them? Do you have them all labeled? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, but you still land on the ones that you need. Yep. And when and I wondered because I always found this to be kind of crazy in making um, oil blends. Um, how are you counting the drops? Because you have measurements in your books, X number of drops for for different things. Are you hearing them? So those measurements were given to me by the divine. I don't really... I used to do drops in the beginning, and I used to get some help with that. I used to use a dropper, but sometimes I needed help. Mm -hmm. Now, I just kind of shake the bottle and know when to stop. Okay, me too. (laughs) Not very scientific, but... Um, yeah, but it works. People, other people need drops because they need to see how much is going in. Yeah. 
sure. And it's a place to start to give somebody a bit of a learning curve. It's a place to start, you know. I used to bug my mother with cooking, you know. Well, how much of this or that do you put in? And she'd say, well, I can't really tell you. Well, she gave me an idea, and now I don't measure really much either. But it's still a place to start. It's a grounding. So you make oil blends. And you and your husband, it sounded, what's his name? David. David, okay. You and David, I gather together you started working on the things you were learning, and so that just grew. I mean, the way you worked together grew. Right, and we went in different directions, so we both both bring, you know, different things to people. You know, he he really got involved in, in the reconnection. And uh, he got very involved in um, uh, quantum touch. Oh yeah! You know he's he's done other things than I have. Mm-hmm. And and of course we both have you know different different expertise. And he will stop people on the street and tell them, "Would you like to feel energy between your hands?" And he'll just talk about energy and have them feel energy and 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 he'll. You know, show them how to how to center and hook up, and you know, even if people don't want to learn, he's kind of pushy. <laughs> oh, now you mentioned reconnections, and there's I know Eric Pearl yes. is someone. Okay, so is that something he studied? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. I just finished his book. Yeah, it was a great book. It's a great book out there on Bookshare. But you know, all the different modalities, in my opinion. They all do the same thing. They just mm-hmm. work to a different frequency. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of like it's sort of like you want to go in the front door, the side door, the back door. It doesn't matter as long as you go in the door and get to where you need to get to. Right. And different things, you know, resonate with different people and that's why there is so many like, you know, like different canes for the blind. Oh my god, how many canes yeah. are there? Like why do we need to have yeah. that much of a choice? <laughs> Right, and some use a cane and some use a dog, and, you know, yeah, (laughs) yeah, Um, and so when do you think you got to a point of feeling peaceful, because you said you went through lots and lots of depression, did this, did all this help with that? Well, I actually very rarely feel peaceful, and I know that that's one goal of this lifetime is for me to be peaceful and feel peaceful. Mm-hmm. I think I'm there yet. Not not mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. I know that sounds really weird, but I believe... No, no I think it's beautifully honest, you know. I mean, I, I think we all are... I think we all are striving. I mean, I think that's what the human experience is about. If somebody tells me they're walking around and they're always so happy all the time, you know, um, I'm always a little sus- suspect, you know. <laughs> that just tells me you're living, huh? It does sound like something great to strive for. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... Moved a lot, you know. We we just follow the guidance, whatever it is, and we moved from from New York to North Carolina, from North Carolina to Virginia Beach, and Virginia Beach was great. I mean, we had the best house ever. We we actually made <sighs> this house. I mean, everything that David always wanted in the house, everything that I always wanted in the house, and in a piece of property were there. Oh my God, it was perfect. 
and I was in an amazing healing community. I learned so much from those people, and it just oh, made me grow as a person so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I did my first workshops there, you know, a lot of firsts, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a healer, I just grew to unbelievable heights in Virginia. Wow. Oh. I was only there six years, and here God's telling us to move again. Really? How did that come about? Did you both get the message? Mm, usually I get the messages. Mm. You know, first, and David usually kind of just follows, and, you know, he'll confirm them using kinesiology. And, man, this was a really hard move for him. Um, my husband is a pack rat, too, at the very least. I mean, in <laughs> Beach, for example, he had um, an oversized two-car garage, he had a, you know, maybe a thousand, maybe even bigger than a thousand square foot building and a shed and a big piece of property filled with stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. And he had very difficult time giving up anything, letting go of anything. So mm-hmm. each move he kind of let go of a little more. This particular move, I would say he probably offloaded maybe 40% of his stuff. Wow. The only way he did that was because this whole thing was orchestrated and directed by by God, by the divine. And he felt it too? Well, I guess on some level, but he was he was overwhelmed the whole time, okay? Because we got guided to move probably in the beginning of July, and we thought we were going to be able to rent the Virginia Beach house and just move down here to Florida full-time because we had been wintering here for 12 years. And we owned a little house on a little piece of property in an over-55 um, trailer community, basically. Mm. We really like it here. We had a lot of contacts, a lot of friends, um, and it was maybe an hour away from his favorite thing, which is flying autogyro airplanes and building them. Mm. So when we decided to move here, you know, we were hoping that... a a larger house in the community, something that met our needs more, would have come up, but unfortunately it didn't, but that's another story. So anyway, so we probably didn't really know that we were actually going to physically move everything until um, September, and we came down with a load of stuff. My husband owns four trailers, okay, so, you know, so we started coming down with, with stuff, and... You know, God has a real sense of humor, let me tell you. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Well, who made sense of humor? Right? <laughs> Where did it come from? <laughs> because what God does for us is he shows us what we need to do and gives us a why. Okay? And what usually happens, happens, but it's not the reason. <laughs> so, okay. So here's, here's an example. So when we came down in September, we actually met our next-door neighbor who had been living here for a while, but he wasn't like the friendliest guy, you know, hello, goodbye, that kind of thing. We actually had a conversation with him, and he apparently is really interested in the stock market, and this was in September, and he was telling us how the market is going to crash, really, really Mm -hmm. crash, and how... We need to, you know, um, sell certain assets and, you know, be prepared, like get a lot of cash out of the bank, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, and this is the philosophy of a lot of people, 
And yes. we actually kind of believed it, okay? Mm-hmm. So we really thought about it, and we were thinking that, wow, maybe we really need to sell Virginia Beach because if we don't sell it now, it might be years and years until we can sell it. So we started muscle testing all these questions and asking God all kinds of questions like, you know, if we rent Virginia Beach, is it going to be rented for the next, you know, 10 years until we actually want to sell it? And the answer we got, well, was, well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, you're going to have a hard time getting renters. So it's not going to be like one party for the 10 years because that's like too easy, you know. Mm-hmm. And we decided that maybe we didn't really want to deal with all that, Um and, and, and at any rate, it forced us to make a decision to sell. Okay, mm-hmm. this was this was in September. Okay, so you know, so David's got to get rid of stuff because there's no place here for all that stuff. I mean, we didn't even have a garage on the property. We knew we would have to. Build. Oh, there was no place to put the trailers. No, there was just there was no way. So things started happening. Like, people came forth to help us. You know, we hired, like, the right people to help. You know, you know, people who took tons of stuff because they needed it for certain things. Um, like, all these, mm-hmm. I call them angels, because they had to be mm-hmm. All these people came forth to help us. Yeah. You know, one example was a friend of mine, um, she lived with her significant other. And we were trying to meet him for years because we knew he and David would get along great. Well, probably about five or six weeks before we were moving, we actually met this guy, and of course they got along great. And he actually came over probably 12, 14 days and actually helped David pack up stuff and mm. get rid of stuff. And, you know, he would wow. pick up over and load it and take stuff elsewhere. And he helped David find a buyer for this big fabric building that he had. And... You know, he was there till the very day that we left healthy because it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. We had all kinds Isn't of that amazing? Like this. We sold our house in five days. We sold the house wow. in five days. Mm. It wasn't the price that we wanted. Mm-hmm. And and actually, the real estate guy, well, we bought the house for, I think, like 345 or something. And we put a lot of money into it. We definitely put $20,000 into it because we bought... Um, a geothermal system. So we put a lot of money into it. So the real estate's telling us we should ask like maybe three twenty and like a oh we're like choking, like no, 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 we really want more than that. You know, and it's like but we really need to do this. So we kinda asked the angels for an amount and what we heard was a very powerful number of three three three, three hundred and thirty three thousand. Mm. Which is yeah hundred and twenty, okay. Wow. So, you know what? That's what we asked, and that's what we got. Oh, that is so wonderful. You know, wow. We came out with not that much, maybe like 305 or something, because the commission is outrageous. And, mm-hmm. and we had to do stuff to the house, like we had to repaint the whole inside and that kind of thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. the real estate wanted us to do more things. He wanted us to put, like, granite countertops, and we said, no way, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know how it is, you fix up a house, and then you sell it, and you think, wow, why couldn't I fix it up the way I wanted it when I was yeah. living there? <laughs> yes, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but because of all this help, all these angels that came forth, we were able to do this. And my husband is an amputee, actually. He um, lost his leg in a motorcycle accident when he was 18. 
And so he's a below-knee amputee, which is better than being an above-knee amputee. Um, and he's had a couple different legs over the years. And sometimes, you know, it he just has a lot of pain. And mm-hmm. fine. So in September, here comes the, I can't wear my leg. And I think, oh, my God, you can't do this. We have all this mm-hmm. stuff to do. Like, no way. You cannot wear your leg. Oh, There's no gosh. way you not work on all this. Yeah. So, thank God for energy medicine and I actually worked on his thumb probably five or six times a day for, I don't know, maybe a month and, and he, we got we got through. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> because it was so meant to be and I'm not, and I don't even know why, so some of the things that God showed me I was going to be doing when I got down here full time, no, no, it's not that. Ah. It was just a ploy to get us here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here you are in a very different community, and you said you have good people around still even in this community. Well, we have friends, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily healer friends. They're just friend mm-hmm. friends, things that we, people that we do things with. I mean, I mm-hmm. have a few healer friends here, but almost none. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's just interesting. How about people who need what you do, though? I mean, how about... Well, not so much in person. I mean, it, it's I don't really understand mm-hmm. it because we live right near Sarasota, which is a very spiritual area. I mean, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of healing groups. And I'm not drawn to join anything. Mm-hmm. So most of my mm-hmm. work is done by phone. You know, it's done remotely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I think that that will change, but not not at this moment. And how are people finding you by phone? How are they? How are are you putting the word out anywhere, or is it word of mouth? It's a lot of word of mouth. Um, I do have you know a lot of Facebook friends, which sometimes okay. helps and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I have an extensive email list, so I put out emails. Okay. Some of the cases that I have now are very intensive, so they're taking a lot of time. And I just told God, okay, bring me more clients, please. And, you know, okay. <laughs> and you have your book. Mm-hmm. And is your book out there in alternative formats? It's out in a Word document, which I'm happy to send in anybody for like seven ninety-five. Mm-hmm. Um, Word document, and I probably. I, I may put it on Bookshare eventually. I just haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. I don't expect to put it in Kindle. I just don't think it's the kind of book that lends itself to Kindle mm. particularly. Um, but but I do have it in a Word document. And and is it in hardcover for people, sighted oh, people, yeah. or yeah? And that okay. was a whole, that was another whole big learning curve. How to publish a book? Well, I didn't know anything about that either. Mm-hmm. I had to learn all that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> about social media and everything else, it was very interesting. Yeah. And um, yes, well, look did, at you. I did. I did um, self-publish it on Create Space, which is owned by Amazon. But you know, that's all well and good. But all the publicity for the book, you have to do yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, and actually, from that, I actually began doing a whole bunch of of divine business coaching. Which I love doing that. It is so much fun. You know, healing isn't always fun. It's really rewarding. But business coaching is fun because the things that the divine shows me, 
we would not think of in a hundred years. Uh huh. So I get. So if someone wants to start a business or they have a business and they want to know, you know, how am I going to make this better? God shows me just amazing things, just answers to all the questions, as I said, that you would never think of. And I, I love hmm. it. Yeah. Give us an example. Okay, so someone recently wanted to do a catering business and, you know, something with food. And what I got for her is that she should do a catering truck. And God showed us the exact area where she should have this truck because this town was kind of segmented. So it's mm-hmm. the exact area, the exact streets to, you know, to, to get the permits you know, the exact food to sell, the exact places to advertise, and on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's one example. Yeah, you cool. Don't, you know, that's, that's just... If people want more information, they can get healing remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, they get intuitive guidance. Right, they can have a free, con- anybody can have a, you know, a cost-free consultation. And, you know, and I always muscle test what I need to charge people, and it's never mm-hmm. very much, and I thank God for that all the time. You know, mm-hmm. ever say to me, oh, you know, I can't afford, well, very rarely say, oh, I can't afford that, it's too much or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's just always perfect. Yeah. Yeah, but anybody can call me or email me for, for a consultation, and, and I always ask the divine, you know, can I can I help this person with what they need help with? Mm-hmm. Can cannot be a vessel to direct God's infinite healing and love to where this person needs it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's wonderful. And then I know you you make your oil blends, and that's part of what you get in guidance? Well, when someone needs one. When they need that. Mm-hmm. Right. But often I need to, you know, find supplements or vitamins or um, crystals. I do a lot of work with, you know, crystals from the earth. Mm. I do a lot of work with emotional release because mm-hmm. we get trapped emotions in our body that cause pain mm-hmm. and illness because they're energy blocks. I do a lot of work with subconscious beliefs, old subconscious belief systems that need to be revealed and eliminated. You know, I do- and do they even know? Do they even know or do you give them this feedback or do you just do it? Sure, I give them feedback if they want it. If they want it. Or, I mean, take notes and write down everything. And if, you know, I can do it either with people on the phone directly or I can say, do you want, I can do the work and I can call you back with the results, whatever, you know, whatever anybody wants. I thank God every day. God usually shows me the hands down easiest way. But depending on different modalities, some people need to experience it. Yeah. You know, so it depends. And some clients need to experience things also. They need to sit back and deliberate it. They just don't want a quick fix kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It just really depends on the application and the person. Yep. And everything I do every day for everybody is different. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it isn't one size fits all, is it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Mm Mm-hmm. But some people, you know, think that it is, and they try to make it that way. And that's that's my, my frame of thinking. That's really rigidity, and that, that mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And you also told me you're making jewelry. 
Oh, yeah. I love that. You know, I've been looking, okay, for years and years and years for a hobby, for a craft. I've always loved to do crafts. Mm -hmm. I wanted a craft that really looked nice. I mean, sure, lots of things that we as blind people do look nice, but a lot of them are just kind of, well, they're okay. But I wanted Mm -hmm. something really, really nice. And I was shown the jewelry, and I actually started it um, simply and kind of evolved into more um, creativity. Um, I only used gems. Like, I don't use glass beads. I just use, you know, Mm -hmm. gems. And by using my intuition and muscle testing, I buy, like, a lot of my gems on, on eBay even. Mm. But often, because we live here in, um, in Bradenton near Sarasota, they've got gem shows really often, so I can actually go there and see oh of the strands to know which one, you know, I'm supposed to choose and the colors I'm mm-hmm. supposed to choose. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I sell a lot of it, which is really cool. Um, and I love making the jewelry. Well, good. I can't do by myself is the crimping of the necklaces. So if any any of you guys out there know how a blind person can do crimping, well, I'd love to hear that. (laughs) I did it for a while, and I don't even know if I still have my tool. I didn't find it real easy, though. I didn't find it real easy. You you can just kind of squash it, which, well, it doesn't really look like a nice rounded crimp, but, you know. I had a tool that did two different kinds of crimping. I wonder if I still have it. Um, well, I'll have to look so back my through husband my... husband does, does the crimping when he can. Okay. Are you thinking at all of taking it somewhere to display and sell, or are you just doing it by, you know, kind well, of... Well, actually, I did just recently buy a booth at a show at the end of this month. It's... Um, it's in uh, a healing center, which is close to here, and they're having, they're calling it um, a fairy conference, F-A-I-R-Y. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're calling it. I guess maybe they want it to be a little whimsical. I'm not sure. But they're having all different kinds of workshops and everything. So I bought a booth, and yes, mm-hmm. I'm have my jewelry, and I'm going to have other things. Like, I just we just made these um, coasters. We bought these two-piece coasters, and we found this picture, this Amazing picture of a water crystal. It sort of looks like a snowflake. And mm-hmm. we printed them and put them in the coasters. And when you put your your beverage on it or your, you know, even if you put a plate on it, whatever, it raises the energy and it changes the energy in your food and in your drink to mm. get, um, you know, at a higher vibration because our food really isn't very good anymore. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, we're doing that. And then I've I've made these um, pet crystal pouches. And I was shown the crystals to put in them that represent, you know, different um, health and emotional wellness aspects. Mm. And they're in a little, like, leather, sort of a um, rectangular zippered case with a... Um, with a loop on it so that you can attach it maybe to your dog's harness or, mm-hmm. or, not, or to... Um, leash or whatever to mm-hmm. for, for health and well-being for your, for your animals. So I just made some of those. So, you know, I'm going to have different things, so that'll be fun. You know, life is a process. Everything is, is an evolutionary process, and it is with me, like one step at a time. Like my business, mm-hmm. when I started it, I learned one thing at a time and progressed one step at a time as I could handle it. Any congratulations 
to all of your success, all of your learning, all of your projects, all of your incarnations <laughs> in this life and beyond. I mean, you've really done a lot of wonderful things and sounds like, you know, you have a tremendous amount to offer and it sounds like you've learned a lot. It also strikes me that you've gained a tremendous amount of inner vision. And that's, and that's yes, exactly. You know, I tell people all the time, vision is in the mind. Yeah, there's, there's no greater gift than that. And this, from, from my sense, there's no greater gift than I can have or do than to, you know, send God's love and infinite healing to mm-hmm. people the way that I've been shown to know it. And that is one thing that very much comes through in your book, very much about God's love and about feeling and finding and knowing that love. Cleaning as much as the negativity from your being, just cleaning it mm. away as much as you possibly mm-hmm. can so that you're ready for the next steps. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and also, you know, because the world is in such a turmoil and the more loving we can be, the, the, the more positive we can be, the higher, higher vibration we can be, all of this just spreads out to humanity and mm-hmm. the world eventually. Yeah, it probably is changing the world. I'm sure it is changing the world now. Although the you know we don't really see it as much as we need to see it to believe it. The more love that we can spread out there, the the more we can bless people, the more we can bless everything. Um, however mm-hmm. it feels to you to do that, the just the greater it is for humanity because that will just flow out and out and out and manifest and magnify and. Oh, yeah, amen to that. Many, many blessings to you. So great to connect in this way on this journey. How about how people can contact you? Sure. Um, anybody can reach me at any time. I have email. It's annbliss1 at gmail.com. That's A-N-N-B as in brother, L-I-S-S, 1 at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a phone message at 845 282 0643. That's 845-282-0643. And if you would like to know more about some of these um, energy aspects, you can go to our website, which is a pretty basic website, and it is at www.basicenergyhealing.com. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for being my guest on the Inside Track. Hey!